You're listening to Having a Chat, a show where we talk to interesting people with interesting tastes in music about the music that they love. I'm Alex Beers, and this week on the show, we are chatting with Bro's lead singer, Ewan Curry. Bro's is a band comprised of Ewan and his brother Seamus, which sees them taking a bit of a departure from the sounds that they were most known for as the Sheepdogs, opting for a more groove-oriented, softer, and melodic sound. They've got a great new album out, so we're very excited to have Ewan with us to chat about some music. This is Having a Chat. Ewan, thanks so much for joining us. Good to be here. Yeah, well, uh, you know, it's good to have you here. Um, so the first thing that I want to ask you, and it's, it's kind of a, I guess, like a basic question, um, but I'm always interested, like when we have people on the show who have sort of moved from one project that was, you know, super well known onto another. So first of all, I guess what prompted this new project? I mean, you know, it's, it's been, it's not that new. It's been around since 2016, but what, what prompted it? What sort of birthed it out of the Sheepdogs? And I guess what is something that you feel you get out of it that uh, that you haven't been able to get out of you know either your solo project or your uh, time with uh, with the Sheepdogs? Uh, well, you know, I think I just have a very I'm, I'm interested in a lot of different types of music, right? And I think one of the strengths of the Sheepdogs is that we're like we represent this kind of vibe of like rock and roll of like a certain type of rock and roll, like it's. A lot of guitars there's a lot of like guitar harmonies um everybody sings but we like are pretty good at staying in our like sheep doggy lane i guess right right seamus was showing me some songs that he'd been working on and i had some like grooves that maybe didn't quite fit the sheep dogs kind of lane and so we decided that you know maybe we just start getting some studio days happening and see what happens yeah i don't know i think that this what makes the sheep dogs really good is that it's like we play to the strengths of the guys in the band and we kind of are assured and we know what we're doing. Uh, but, you know, I think there's like other musical sort of like avenues I want to explore. And so bros lets me kind of like, you know, basically do all the other sort of types of music I want to do. Do you worry at all that, um, that bros is going to get to a point where like you've almost found that lane and then you can, then you have to go start a third project and then you find your lane with that. Or, or, or do you really see it as like the place where you can kind of try anything? Um, that's a good question. I think that we'd look at it as a place where we can try anything. And it's really about the collaboration with my brother, Seamus. Um, but I mean, I've been, in, especially with the pandemic and all this extra time, like I've been experimenting with all kinds of different projects. So I don't know. I mean, I, it's sort of weird because like I'm interested in all kinds of music. I like making very different sounding music, but um, when it comes time to put it out, you got to sort of like figure out how to brand it and portray it to people because like it's, you know, even like if you look up bros on like a Spotify or something, it's always listed as like rock, which really isn't. Uh, and yeah. Or it's like, you know, you may like these other artists and it's just kind of like all those sort of rock and roll bands that doesn't really make sense to me, but I get it because it's people's, perception on because usually they're like oh it's the sheepdog guys it's this so it's it's a little weird yeah and it is it's it's interesting just how often the industry like the industry you know being kind of a vague term like just does try and put artists into a box because you're absolutely right like i I, you know 
when I when I first listened to your guys' stuff, I was I was expecting it to just basically be you know the sheepdogs, like just uh, you know a sort of sheepdogs offshoot. But you're right, it, 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 it's it's very very different in a lot of ways. But uh, it is interesting just how you kind of get lumped in with a certain sort of sound and yeah. and how you almost in order to sort of sell it, you have to define yourself as a certain. Yeah, sound. well, people are lazy, so they uh, yeah. They, yeah. <laughs> but also, I guess you know, with the the bros singles have are usually me singing too, so that kind of people hear the, the voice and they go, Oh, sheepdogs or whatever. But, uh, you know, it's so I try not to worry too much about what the people think, you know, we just make the music and let it speak for itself. But yeah, of course. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a ton of fun to just be able to like have no limitations on what you're trying to do. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Um, so I want to talk about, uh, Garbanzo man. Um, this was, I was watching um, the like a clip that you guys did, I guess, of like a live stream, yeah. Um, where you played this, uh, where you have someone coming through and, and throwing garbanzo beans at everyone, and Kenny Hotz was in it, yes. Which was kind of like I had to, I had to like do a double take because I was like, holy shit, that's Kenny Hotz. What? Ha- like, for, first of all, I mean, I guess just what can you tell me about the song? But then I guess as a follow up, how uh, how on earth did that come about? Well, I just know Kenny from, uh, I've known him for a few years now, but uh, just from around Toronto, I guess. Uh, and he's, he's always good for a laugh. Um, he's not that far off his character in real life. So he's pretty, he's pretty <laughs> hilarious, but that song, uh, it was written by Seamus and it's kind of like, I want to say it was like maybe two thirds done when he showed it to me and then I helped him kind of take it over the goal line, but like, uh, very finger snappy i think i actually named it like the song it's funny because it's like called gabronzo man but there's no lyrics about uh chickpeas in it at all so it's kind of a weird <laughs> i don't know we a big part of what bros does is humor i mean sheep dogs too we like really do not like bands that take themselves very seriously i find that very off-putting and i think just growing up in the 90s where there was a lot of very humorless uh rock and roll happening it, it's like feels nice to be silly but yeah it's just a it's a snappy song it's got these great, we were, I think we got a really good drum sound on it. We had these, we used a small drum kit that was t- uh, tuned really high. So it sounds really punchy. Yeah. The percussion on it's crazy too. Yeah. Yeah. Our friend Adam Hindle, uh, who we collaborate with all the time, plays percussion. And uh, there's like crazy keyboards where we uh, played like a Borlitzer and then we pitched it up a couple of octaves. So it sounds almost like a video game or something. So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. But it, it's also for, for for someone who's kind of coming at it for the first time, who you know, at, like who who may have sort of seen you as you say, like on the sort of Spotify. If you like this band, then you like this band. It's it's not a guitar centered song at all. So if you're going into it thinking that it's going to be guitar rock, it, it, it's almost like a it's kind of a beautiful just introduction into into your sound. I thought like it just you know the way that the the melody of the vocals like sort of glides along with the keys. It, it, it's it's not. To me, it, it really captured the the sort of the non sheepdogsiness of of the uh, of the record and of your guys' sound. Yeah, there's no guitar on it at all. Actually, yeah, it's um, keyboards, drums, percussion. There's some weird percussion loops that we use as well on there. That's taken from an old 1970s. Uh, it's like a kid's toy that has like all these samples. It's called an octagon, and we used samples from that for some of the percussion loops. Um, yeah, I mean, we we're kind of inspired by like somebody like Sergio Mendez in Brazil '66. I don't know if you ever heard them, but they're like kind of square uh, Brazilian, sort of like smooth Latin pop from the '60s. But 
we just really like that stuff, you know? So it's, it's really not a rock song at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I want to ask you about like something that you said, um, about bands that are not taking themselves too seriously. Like, like a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was even last weekend, um, uh, Limp Bizkit played Lollapalooza and like Fred Durst had that like sick look and like they have this new song called Dad Vibes. And I was, I was talking with my buddy about how like of all of the kind of new metal bands of that era, they seem to be the one that at least now doesn't take themselves too seriously. And that seems to have been like the key to their, their longevity almost like, you know, their, their sales apparently doubled after that performance and stuff. And, and I feel like as you get older, people start to take themselves more seriously. So as, as you get older, like what do you do to kind of keep, keep yourself in check, I suppose. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I never was into Limp Bizkit musically, but I do, I am kind of enjoying you know, Fred Durst is pretty seemingly, uh, can take a joke, you know, like he, yeah, exactly. there wasn't there something in like Austin where they were going to name the new waste management center, the Fred Durst, like it's basically they're naming the town dump after Fred Durst. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I'm into it. Like they're, yeah. you know, he's, so he's obviously can take a joke. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I, I think, I mean, look, it just depends on the people like Seamus and I are pretty chill. Like we like, we like music. We were passionate about it, but uh, we don't really like pretension. I mean, I, we're into pretension when it's people going way down a rabbit hole and, and trying to make something musically happen. But like, so just taking yourselves really seriously and, and stepping around like you're a god is is really that's just something we're not into. So you know, I respect that Fred Durst is, is you know he seems like things slide off of his back. I, I, I'm still not going to listen to Limp Bizkit, but. <laughs> You know, he seems like he's a cool guy. When the stars come out to shine And you drank a little wine That's the moment when you feel yourself start to sway And all the lovers come out to play And all your problems will melt away Just a little drop of sun Because the sun shines brighter when there's love in your heart You've got a smile on your face And it's just a star Because the sun shines brighter when there's love in your heart um, Alright, so uh, I want to get into J.J. Cole, They Call Me The Breeze uh, Simple question, what do you like about the song? J.J. Uh, Kale, just so they don't oh, get sorry, confused with, with J. Cole Oh, Kale, sorry uh, So this is the first song on J.J. Kale's first record And it's uh, it's like a drum machine, it has a drum machine called an ace tone That's providing the beat This is from about, I don't know, 1972 or something like that But using a drum machine, it's a very early drum machine But man, it grew so hard And it's just like, J.J. Kale is kind of a master of like he doesn't take himself too seriously at all. He's just like the most chill dude ever. Like he barely uses any volume when he sings. All of his songs are super laid back and, and groovy as can be. And he's just a real hero to me. And I just love that this song uses a, a drum machine and, and not a yeah. drum. Yeah. So, I mean, drum machines in rock and roll are, are is kind of an interesting thing. Like, I, I used to really poo-poo it. And then there were like, there are a couple bands um out of toronto that started doing it and i and it really really changed my perception of it like what what do you what's your take on sort of using drum machines and and samples and things like that in in rock and roll music 
I mean, what does it sound like? Does it sound cool? I'm in, you know, like I don't, I, I try not to get too married to like a, an ideal, you know, like we all start off, especially when I, we were starting up the sheepdogs, you know, we all had our hard and fast rules about what you can, what you can't do. But I mean, the, the real determining factor is if it sounds good, it sounds good. So, uh, like I said, we, we sampled some, some drum loops into some, some stuff it, you know, I think drum machines can be cool. Uh, they're a vibe and it's just, you're, it's a, you know, you're using it to taste. I mean, I think the only rule we have is we just don't use, we don't tune our vocals. That's the only thing. I mean, maybe that's a, a pride standpoint, but I also just don't like the way tuned vocals sound. So. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that, that's even an interesting one in and of itself where it does, it does feel like, um, you know, there was a lot of snobbery around it at one point. Um, and, 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 but that, that does seem to be shifting. Like, do you, do you think that as, as you start to perhaps view like auto-tune as like an instrument in and of itself, you might, uh, you might change your mind? Um, I mean, I possibly, I just don't like the sound of it. It sounds like the, it's like a real Botox face, you know, it just, it, yeah, yeah. it looks smooth and, and unblemished, but it's like, uh, it's sort of unnatural and uh kind of devoid of character yeah devoid of character sure i know that people use it you know like t-pain and stuff use it as like a as a taste thing and because you could actually sing but it's not I, I don't think it falls into like scope of sounds that i'm interested in using yeah yeah fair enough no i i i, w I would be really surprised if any if i heard auto-tune on any of your projects oh we'll see maybe i'll be eating my words who knows yeah yeah I never know All right, so Young Holt Unlimited, Soulful Strut. Uh, what do you like about this song? Uh, this is the walkout music that the Sheepdogs use. So if you've seen the Sheepdogs play, you might hear it as we walk out. It is a great tune. It's from the 60s. It's just like a nifty little funky number. And it's cool because it's, it was a song that had a singer and had lyrics and everything. And uh, I don't know what happened, but basically the instrumental version was the one they used as the single. And it became a hit back in, I don't know, 68 or whatever it was. Wow. And it's just, it's pretty interesting, like, to think that uh, you could have this idea for a song and, and it just ends up being the instrumental that's the hit. So I think something that especially bros try to do is we we come in hot with, like, an idea. And then sometimes when you're in the studio, you're really trying to, like, you're trying to push the song so that it ends up sounding like what you have in your head. And you've got to kind of, like, realize that sometimes you've got to let it be and just let it happen and not try to force it too much. Well, so I, I'm really fascinated by walkout music. Um, there was a oh, time yeah. in, in the early days of the show, we would have, we would also have politicians on, but only talk about music. Um, and one of the through lines that I sort of discovered is that both musicians and politicians need walkout music. Um, yeah. So it was really funny just to kind of hear from like both sides of that, you know, particular, uh, like not really a, a coin, but whatever. Um, what do you look for? I mean, like, have you, have you always used this as the, uh, as the walkout song? And uh, what do you, what do you look for in particular in a walkout song? 
Uh, I think we've used it for the last four plus years. Right. It's just, it's kind of got a fanfare. So it sounds like very like, and now introducing, you know, so it, right. Gotcha. Gotcha. And it just, it feels cool. Like I just, it's a dope song. Uh, so, you know, it makes you feel cool when you're walking out on stage. So that's always good. Um, our first big Canadian tour, we used to come on stage to still DRE by Dr. Dre, which was pretty awesome. Cause that's like <laughs> yeah. one of the great beats of all time. Yeah. And that used to get people pretty fired up. Uh, yeah. I mean, we'd come out to like Isaac Hayes walk on by at one point. Yeah. Yeah. But basically you just want to basically come out feeling cool and, and pumped yeah. up. Yeah. It's funny. Cause like, uh, I used to really like wrestling when I was younger and, uh, I, I, I constantly find myself thinking of what like wrestlers would do when they're working the mic, like when they're on stage, cause they're great showmen. Like it's yeah, of course. like they, you know, project and they capture the, the mood and they pump the audience up. And so like, there's nothing like a great wrestler entrance, you know, when like uh stone cold would come out and the glass would break and then oh, yeah. his music would play and everyone just go nuts. Like it just, it's a, it's a good moment. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever, um, I'm thinking just in terms of big, dramatic entrances one can't help but think of spinal tap have you ever ever have you ever had a botched entrance uh not certainly not to the extent of the of you know getting lost in the building but our stage setup was pretty pretty minimalist compared to, to the tap yeah Wonder superstition, an absolute classic. Um, I actually wanted to ask you about Stevie Wonder uh, when we get into uh, one of your songs at the end. But sure, uh, let's chat about Stevie Wonder. What it like, given his whole body of work, why superstition? I mean, well, so my dad played lots of Stevie Wonder growing up, uh, and Superstition was always kind of our favorite song as a kid. Like, it's just so it's. I love undeniability in music. Yeah. Like I'm not so much. I mean, I I can definitely appreciate a song when you learn the history and like all the story of what they were going through when they wrote it, and the layers. But I love just a big, badass tune that the first time it hits your ears, you're just like, "What is this?" And so I think Superstition is just this undeniability. Like it's just such a groove. So many great riffs, kind of interlocking. Like it's like four different clavinet parts, which is a very bros thing that we try to do, and. Uh, it's also a good lesson in it. Like it grooves so hard, but you can look up on YouTube. You can find the isolated drum track. It's Stevie wonder playing the drums on there and you'll listen to the drums separately. And there's like all kinds of little like imperfections and like uh, timing issues. But when you hear it all together, like all I hear is a masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah. And th that's something that, that is interesting just in doing this show. Um, I often get to hear kind of like two sides of a debate almost uh, th there's been a lot of discussion on the show about um, 
sort of having those imperfections in time. Um, like, you know, whether, whether you ought to be playing to a click track or whether those subtle speed ups and slowdowns and little imperfections are what actually gives the song feel. Um, where do you find yourself on that, uh, on that debate? It's a spectrum I'd say, um, because I like natural things that sound that, uh, you know, breathe and like, it's okay if a song speeds up or slows down a little bit, but then on the other hand, you don't want to get too far down that line because it will get sloppy if you uh, are allowing too much of that. So, you know, I kind of come and go. Sometimes we do things to a, you know, a click and other times not. Uh, but I think that allowing for accidents when you record is really important. Ha uh, happy accidents because, uh, you know, everyone likes to think they're super creative and has all the right ideas, but sometimes the, uh, some of the best moments are just like accidental things. Like, uh, I don't know, like we were doing some of the bro songs we did, like one of the songs we did in a different key, we were able to transpose the, the session up a couple tones, I think. And we had to redo most of the instruments, but we kept the keyboard parts, but we just pitched them up and it sounded weird, but cool. So it was like, we didn't plan on doing that, but it just sounds really neat. Things like that, or just like, I have no idea what I'm going to do, but just let me play this uh, guitar part on this one song and see what happens. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. you can really surprise yourself. Yeah. Happy accidents are a beautiful thing. Like I, I, <laughs> the, one of my favorite music stories of all time is, um, I read it in Randy Bachman's book where he's talking about the pizza guy who, uh, right. who ended up playing the keys. I don't, I don't know if that necessarily falls into the same category of a happy accident, but certainly something that was not planned and kind of makes the song like it, it just the, the keyboard part was played i don't know if you know the story but the keyboard part was played by the by the pizza guy right like yeah i have a story about that song actually because the sheepdogs are playing as randy bach or bto's backing band for a, like a juno award nomination where uh they're being inducted to the the canadian music hall of fame so we backed them up at the junos one year they were trying to like match it up to this video montage thing and so they had put a click track on the song but the song's not wasn't recorded to a click right so it speeds up and slows down but they made this click that would speed up and slow down with it like they mapped it all out to the tempo of the song oh geez and it was so infuriating for our drummer to, to our drummer sam trying to like play it yeah and then the last minute he just pulled the headphones out and yeah. just played it live anyway so <laughs> yeah. it was a classic example of like tv people who don't really understand music trying to make a yeah. tv segment work at the yeah. expense of the musicians. But. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy, though. Like, but, you know, all the power to them for just yanking the bloody things out and, you know, fuck it, we're doing it live, they say. Yeah, they worked out. Next up, hot chocolate. Everyone's a winner. Um, 
not familiar with this one. Uh, walk me, walk me through it. What do you like about this song? Sure. Well, you probably know um, "You Sexy Thing," which you know. I believe in miracles. Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah. they're British, British band, <laughs> funk disco band. Uh, this song is just a jam. I love this song. It's got a crazy guitar tone. It's just a. It's just like my favorite like party jam, and uh, I just threw it in there because I just I love to get down. Yeah, yeah. What do you <laughs> do? You like it more than you sexy thing? I do. Yeah, I would take this. So you sexy thing's a great jam. It's a little. He got a little killed in the 90s by all the commercial use, but uh, <laughs> everyone's a winner is, is, my, is my ultimate pick, yeah. Never could believe the things you do to me. I never could believe the way you are. Every day I bless the day that you got through to me. So last of the songs that you've picked, uh, Paul McCartney, Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey, what do you, again, not unlike with Stevie Wonder, it's it's hard to know where to begin, but what do you like about this song? It's just, uh, it's a great example of like what Paul McCartney does well, which is he crams like two and a half songs worth of riffs and melodies into like one song. And uh, he's, cause he's just like, he's one of the most creative guys ever. He's so overflowing with ideas. And so this is kind of a two part song and there's just so many little different like melodies and little riffs and pieces and scene changes. Right. Um, it's really all these little simple things, but he really constructs this, like, it's almost like a little sort of like, uh, you know, classical, I say classical doesn't sound classical, but like, I mean, classical in the sense that it's not just like a traditional song structure. Like it kind of a, has all these little movements, um, lots of like his like sing songiness, his little like silly rhyme kind of things. And it's just so cool. Like I just, I love to me that as a kid, I would listen to that kind of stuff all the time. And I just love how he's just creates so many of these melodies that are just like lasting and get stuck in your head. He's my number one, uh, music dude of all time so so and then and so why why this song and not like i mean you know obviously it's paul mccartney like you know why, why this song and not any of the other like <laughs> you know paul mccartney or beatles or wings or whatever songs well i think that uh it my favorite Beatles songs were usually the ones that had that kind of thing where there was like like you never give me your money or, or happiness is a warm gun where they would it would sort of start somewhere and then it would go somewhere else for a bit. And then it would be a different song at the end. And every part was cool. Like they just really like, there's no limits to what they could do. And like I said, that kind of thing where there was like two and a half songs worth of riffs in one song, you know, I mean, you think about like, you know, Frankenstein by Edgar Winter or like Black Betty or, you know, those songs where there's like so many riffs and so many, you know, so much awesomeness all jammed in one thing i hate when a song just does the same thing over and over again so i i, I just love the a song that's like bursting with uh with creativity it's so sorry but we have nothing all day we're so sorry 
Um, all right, so last up, we are going to talk about Never Gonna Stop. Um, I love the vocals on this during the chorus, um, but the I, I really, really like the music video um, with all these like little magic tricks. Um, you know, some some cheesier than others. Some where I'm kind of just looking like with the fire in the hands and stuff. Yeah. Um, what what uh, what inspired uh, that video? Um, you know, I got to give full credit to the guys that made it. Um, they're they're a, from a team called Don't Die here in Toronto, and they they just came up with the idea and ran with it, and and it was awesome. It was just basically a day of Seamus and I walking around town. They kind of tell us to do stuff, but the overall arching kind of vibe was that we should just basically kind of be very low key and it just has a kind of a cool subtle vibe and i like it i think it represents shameless and i well because we're like I, I like us just sort of like basically poking around town a lot of it was shot in scarborough and then at the galleria mall in the west end so some of the not, not exactly the most scenic uh, parts of the city but it was uh, it was a good time but that, like, to me, that was almost like my favorite thing about it. It was, it was like very sort of mundane GTA with just like you know flame in your hands. Like that was, yeah, that, that was kind of cool. Yeah, and we're kind of like unimpressed by our own magic tricks, even. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I think it's, I think it, you know, Seamus and I are like two pretty average dudes in terms of like we're not living lavish. We're like just kind of a couple of bros who are. I think people look at us like, well, I used, I used to joke that when we started bros, we were like the blue collar or the hoser version of like Hall and Oates or something like that. You know, like <laughs> we're not really blue collar. I should say that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so it's, I think it's good. It's like this kind of low key thing, but we can create a little magic, you know, when we need to. Well, and then the, the Stevie wonder influence is pretty pronounced on this song. Um, what can you tell me just more broadly about the song and, 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 and unless I'm completely mistaken, um, how Stevie wonder, uh, impacted this song. There's definitely a little superstition vibes in there for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's just like some of those songs, especially the ones that get picked for singles, they, they tend to be more of that sort of like uh, R and B dance number kind of thing. Yeah. We just really like, you know, the Stevie Wonder singles, Hall and Oates, even like, you know, Michael McDonald or, or some of the like Steely Dan's like singles stuff. Like just, uh, yeah. And maybe like the chorus, I was maybe trying to do like a little bit of a Michael Jackson style chorus as well. I mean, I can't sing like Michael Jackson, but uh, who can? And just like, yeah, just trying to make a cool, you know, a big beat that, that gets you moving. And, and I think it was just like, it's cool because we don't have like a ton of experience making dance music, but we're sort of just doing it in a way that sounds cool to us. Yeah. So you mentioned Steely Dan and Michael McDonald, and this is kind of my last question. Um, I have a, I have a colleague who um, is really into yacht rock. Um, sure. Do you, would you guys, and I was kind of like, <laughs> I don't know the extent to which yacht rock is kind of like an insult, um, but would you guys right. consider this, uh, <laughs> this album to be a bit, yacht rocky i think at times yeah i think there's moments yeah i don't know i mean genres are weird like uh and yeah yeah as we've said depending on who you talk to steely dan or the greatest band or the the corniest shit ever so uh, <laughs> i'm a fan i like a lot of the music that gets labeled yacht rock we just like to call it smooth music um yeah, there you go so you know uh i don't mind that if someone called it yacht rock i know it's kind of a pejorative sometimes but 
I, I'm into it, man. I, I, I dig Mike McDonald. I dig Steely Dan. I like, uh, you know, little logins in Messina at times as well. So, yeah. yeah, bring it on. Yeah, beautiful. Lately, we left our troubles in the past And we found ourselves together again at last But honey, I've heard about everything you do Try to tell me it ain't true, but I already knew So we have reached the end of the show. And before I let you go, I want to get you to um, plug the latest record, uh, plug the socials, whatever, whatever you've got. Let the people know where they can check you out. Yeah. Uh, Bros Volume 2 is out now. And uh, I don't know. Follow us on YouTube. We've got videos on there. We're putting more up soon. And otherwise, we're pretty low key on social media. So you can stream us wherever and probably find our record in most record shows, too. Sweet. Alrighty, Ewan. Thanks for your time. Thanks, man. Take her easy. Thanks so much to Ewan for joining us on the show this week. As always, you can find full versions of this show wherever you get your podcasts or at havingachat.com. The show is produced by myself and Alex Anderson. Social media and marketing materials are done by Pete for Walker, so don't forget to check us out on social media at havingachat. The music is composed by Duncan Briggs and Sugar Glass. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.